Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Richard O'Neill. Thanks for being on the show, Richard. Happy to be here. Thanks, Whitney. Rich is a real estate investor from southeastern Pennsylvania has built a 40-unit, $3 million residential portfolio in under four years with only $25,000. He is now running a construction management business for investor clients while continuing to build his portfolio and expand into larger projects. Richard, thank you again for being on the show and for your time and just sharing your expertise with us today. Give us a little more about who you are, your business, uh, you know, your what you're doing in real estate right now, and let's jump into your superpower that's going to help us. Yeah, absolutely. So I started buying single-family houses back in 2016. At the time, I had a good paying job, and I was okay there. It wasn't, you know, it was making me decent money, but didn't love it, and so I decided to quit and start buying houses, burn the boats, so to speak. So I uh, bought my first property in um, Collingdale, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia, out of a bankruptcy sale. And we put about $25,000 into it and rented it out. We did that all with cash. And then we refinanced it and have been doing it again ever since. Nice. So, you know, it's interesting. You said, you know, you had a good job, you know, 2016, but you learned about real estate. So you, I mean, you took the plunge. You, you talked about, you know, burning the boats. What gave you the confidence to take that leap? I, I think a lot of people, a lot of listeners, you know, are, are it all dreamed of that day, right? You know, when we got to do that. And I know a lot of people listening are as well. What was it for you that gave you the confidence to say, you know what, I'm doing this? Was it something at work that just said, I've had enough? You know, or was it, you know what, I've seen this model enough. I think I can do it. Explain that a little bit. So really, I have to give my give the credit to my wife. Which we all should. That's right. So we're actually on our honeymoon talking about, oh, I got to go back to work and all these things, blah, blah, blah. And I'd been talking about getting into real estate and, you know, learning about it for years before doing this. And she said, just do it. What are you waiting for? I said, you know what? You're right. Let's, let's just do this thing. What better time than now? So I went in the day I got back from my honeymoon, I put my two weeks in and the rest is history. So that was, she really pushed me to do it. I'm also surrounded by a lot of entrepreneurship. So my father-in-law is an entrepreneur. He runs, he's on his third startup now. My dad ran a home building company when I was growing up. And then obviously outside of their networks, they hang around with a lot of entrepreneurs as well. So seeing that it can happen, that it can work was really beneficial for me. That's interesting that you bring that up. I was not surrounded with entrepreneurs growing up. And when I was thinking about, okay, what was, what's my career going to be? How am I going to make a living? Living like becoming an entrepreneur wasn't even really a thought. I didn't even realize that was a thing at that time. I said, that's so interesting. I want you to elaborate just a little bit on how, how that helped you or gave you the confidence. What was it that you seen that they could do it? Was you, you seen their lifestyle? You seen the freedom that they had? What was it that said, okay, you know, this is, you know, I've seen it and I, I want that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a huge blessing having that growing up. It was a huge advantage for me and you're exactly right. I got to see, I've known my wife since I was three. So I've known my father-in-law since the, around the same time and his family would live in Florida for, you know, a couple months at a time and he could, go back and forth and he can take a week off here, a week off there. And he works really hard when he works, but he also had the flexibility to do 
what he wanted and spend a lot of time with his family. Same thing with my dad. I mean, we grew up boating down on the Chesapeake Bay and just the fact that every once in a while he could take off a random Friday and we could go for an extra day on the, on the boat. You know, that was just, it set for me that I never wanted to work for someone else for an extended period of time because I value that so much. And now that I've got, you know, two little kids, I love being able to just take a couple of days off here, take a couple of days off there and and go spend some quality time. You don't have to ask anybody else, right? Or look to see how many hours you have to take off. I got to check with my boss, my wife. That's right. But <laughs> it's nice you have those priorities in order. So tell us a little about, I know you're big on goal setting. And I think you could probably teach us all a lot in this and help us to maybe uh, educate us a little bit. How did you you know, learn these processes and, and tell us a little bit about what you did as far as goal setting to help you reach that goal and where you're at now? Yeah, so I had to really start with where I wanted to be, what do I want it to end up looking like and set the vision. So my company name Fleming Properties is derived from that. So I said I grew up on boats. My wife did as well. Fleming is a type of a boat that we set the goal that this company is going to buy my wife a Fleming by the time she's 39. So why 39? Yeah, I just wanted to ask. Well, I'll be 40. So okay. <laughs> makes it pretty easy. And I, I promised her 20 years when she was 19. So 39 is the date. So it started for me by setting that vision. And the fact that Fleming is now in front of me every single day, 50 times a day, I have to sign checks and, you know, I have to really think about, is this the right place to be spending this money or could it be going to pay for that Fleming someday? It's just a constant reminder. And whenever you can do that, I think it's really powerful. One of the other entities I own, I have investors in, yeah, they're a family member and all they want to do when they retire is go catch Blue Marlin. So guess what the name of the company is? Blue Marlin Properties. So just having that constant reminder there is, is really important. And then, you know, I kind of had to work backwards from there. So I know what that boat costs. I know what it costs to run every year. And I know roughly how much passive cash flow I need to make that happen. So then you break it down into, okay, what do I need numbers wise at that date? Then step back a little bit further. How many do I need to acquire over a certain amount of time? And you just basically reverse engineer it into what do I need to do today? All the way down to, I need to be making five offers this week if I want to hit my goal for this month, which is going to tie in my goal this year, these five years and so forth. So that's been really important for me. Obviously that's a lot of tracking. So, you know, I've set up some things where we talk about leading indicators, like I was saying with how many offers I need to make on properties to hit my goal this year, how many properties I need to go see before I make those offers and so forth. And, you know, I track all that in Google Sheets and do my best to keep on top of it. Is that something that you track yourself or do you have like a team of assistants that's helping you track certain things? What does that look like? So I mostly, mostly track it myself. I do have, I have a bookkeeper and uh, administrative assistant. She does a little bit of both for the company. She does all the obviously financial tracking and some of the other things, but most of it's me going in and looking back at the end of the week, I have, I have a time period set on Fridays where I say, okay, how did I do this week? And I go plug it into my, my dashboards. So can you give us an example of maybe some previous goals that you set for yourself? And maybe you, you have one that you missed or, or maybe some that you hit or exceeded. Yeah. So started out really, really loose when I was in 
middle school, I guess it was, I wanted to go play division one lacrosse. That was my goal. Not quite as easy of a metric tracking. Not that I probably had the ability to think that far ahead in middle school, but that was the goal. So most of what I did at that point was revolving around that goal. Should I go play for this travel team? Should I go to this tournament? Should I do, you know, whatever it is, they were all kind of focused around that goal. And eventually I ended up hitting that goal. I only played a year, but you know, I ended up having bigger, better goals. So, uh, you know, decided I didn't want to needed to after my first year. And I mean, my goal right now, I started, I started this company with the goal of doing 50 properties in five years. So that'll be the, in what, August of next year will be my fifth year. And I'm at 40 so far was on a really good track to hit that. I had, I think 35 at the end of last year. And in my market specifically, the lower end single family outside of Philadelphia, there's a lot of money coming in from New York, California, all these other places and just driving up prices. So it's been really tough for me to buy deals this year. And will I hit that goal next year? I don't know. Maybe not. And I've kind of come to grips with that, that that's okay is shifting it a little bit to maybe get into some bigger projects, some new constructions. We're now starting to offer construction management as a service to other investors. I'm hiring my brother, who's a project manager for, for a bigger company, and he's coming to work for me to help me start that business. So we're kind of shifting that up a little bit. And a five-year goal is a pretty long-term goal. And if you hit it, that's phenomenal. If it's not, things change within those five years, COVID especially. We bring up COVID what better time to shift into something else that maybe is going to help you get to the goals in maybe a different way than you thought before. Let's put it that yeah, way. You know, you talked about having those 50 properties in five years. And even if you got to 42, I mean, I, I think it's still a success, right? If you didn't have that goal at all, you probably, you know, wouldn't have got to 20 and, you know, reverse engineered that and thought that through. So no, congratulations to you already. I mean, I feel like you're, you're doing it, but, but even now talk to us a little bit about now you're having to change maybe that up a little bit. You know, you're saying, okay, you know, because of what's happened, we've got to change our plan a little bit. And I'm, you know, we can, we can monetize this over here. We already have these skills. Why not? But you know, you're having to leave that goal a little bit potentially, or maybe you won't, maybe you'll still hit it or exceed it. But Either way, you've had to change your your business plan a little bit. Talk us through that a little bit. Yeah, so that specific pivot there, I've wanted to hire a construction manager for a long time. At my peak, I was doing probably five or six properties at a time that I had purchased that we were renovating. That was in 2018. And that got to be just crazy. You know, I I was jumping from acquisitions to construction management to business management. And I was just jumping all over the place and the construction management was taking a lot of time. So I had wanted to hire someone to, to take that off my plate for a long time. And now through one of the organizations I've joined, I talked a lot about that concept with some other entrepreneurs. And that idea came up to offer that as a service to other people so that I could hire that person and be able to cover the overhead from him or her, doesn't matter who. So that then... I've got that skill set in place so that now once, let's say they're predicting a foreclosure boom sometime next year, if that happens and prices come back down and it's easier to find deals, I've got the team in place to go and strike. Nice. Yeah. So that was a lot of the, the thought behind doing that. I struggled for a long time with it because I knew that 
it really is starting a new business. It's not just hiring a person for my existing business, especially if we're going to hire it out to other people. Bringing on customers is a whole different game. So I had to really think long and hard about whether or not that was what I wanted to do. And ended up deciding to do it because I was having a hard time finding deals. The timing seemed right. And I now have the time to, to dedicate to building that side of the business and then being ready for whatever comes next. Have you read the book, Who Moved My Cheese? I haven't. I've heard that recommendation a bunch of times. I really need to. It's a really simple book, but just some amazing stories in there. I brought it up. I know the listeners have heard this, and I just recommend people read that book. It's probably, it should be like an annual read, probably. It only takes 40 minutes, 45 minutes. But you're an example of that. You're not just staying in that one thing. You see an opportunity. You're able to move and shift and change and take advantage of something else somewhere else. And you're a good example of that. So what do you see for your real estate business in the future? What are some other goals you're setting for yourself? Well, so as I started getting on a pretty good trajectory to that 50 goal, I, I said that I want to move it up to 175 units within the next five years from last year. So I think what that'll ultimately end up being is I've learned a lot about the new construction to rent space. One of my mentors went from doing basically what I do. He's now building developments specifically of duplexes, triplexes, quads. And it's a really interesting model because I'm dealing with 1920s to 1940s houses and doing a lot of work to them at the beginning, but you can never get everything in those old buildings. So there's always maintenance. There's always something that, that needs to be done. And you know, after talking to him about the new construction model, it's a really interesting concept to go from a 50-year-old boiler that you know is going to go at some point to brand new everything. And it's all built, designed for tenants. So, you know, you're putting in the durable flooring, the granite countertops, you know, all these things that it's going to be difficult for tenants to break. So that's something that's really piqued my interest lately. And I'm definitely exploring that more. But the hiring of, of a construction manager really is going to be a key step in either going into that business, maybe building smaller apartment buildings, you know, 30 unit building, something like that, or going full bore into exactly what I'm doing now once the opportunities present themselves. So I see a lot of the same, but possibly a shift into some of the new construction and more of the construction management side of it. Now that you've almost reached this five-year goal, uh, and I would say you've reached it, whether you technically have hit that 50 or not, but <laughs> what about the, the next five years? Will you say, you know, we're going to do 100 or will you, you know, stay at 50 or will you, you know, how will you, or will you say 40? How will you change that now that you know what you know and, and moving forward? Yes, yeah, so I think I said a minute ago, maybe I didn't. I moved it up to 175. Oh, okay. Maybe I missed that. Sorry. Yeah, 175 units, 175 units total. So that'll be an additional 125 over the next five years. And knowing what I know now, I know it can be done and I know roughly how to get there. It's just going to take a lot of work. <laughs> no doubt about it. Some good systems and, and just improving systems you probably already have. Yeah, you know, Richard, what's been the hardest part of this real estate journey for you and you know, growing to where you're at now? I think it's, I really like new and exciting things. So staying on that, staying focused on, okay, I need to get to 50. I need to do this many deals. I need to do this many offers. Just staying focused on that has definitely been the hardest thing especially when things start getting difficult. Like right now, deals are hard to come by. 
I find myself laying in bed at night and daydreaming about going to start a who knows random company, just trying to limit those thoughts, even though they're fun to think about and all that, but trying to limit those and focus on, on what's going on and keep trudging forward, even though stuff kind of sucks sometimes. That's definitely been the hardest. What's a way you've recently improved your business that we could also apply to ours? So I think I mentioned I've joined a couple of different groups. I think the most impactful being Entrepreneurs Organization. They have a uh, accelerator program, which is designed to get you from somewhere under a million dollars in revenue up to over a million. And that's been really, really great. I get in a room, a room now a virtual room with five other entrepreneurs once every month and then 25 others once a quarter. And they're all in different businesses and have different perspectives and can bring in some ideas that I'm probably not thinking about. And, you know, we meet for four hours once a month then all day once a quarter. So that's been really impactful to get outside perspectives from someone that they're tied to your well-being for the sake of, you know, a little bit of friendship, but they're really there to shine a mirror on what's going on and say, here's what I think is happening in your business and you probably don't even see it. So that's been huge. And then the other thing has been hiring help. I did it all by myself for a long time and it was really hard to start hiring that first person. And once I did, it was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Who else can I hire? What did that person do for you? They were my bookkeeper. My bookkeeper okay. was the first one. I was doing my own books. And that was like, I'm not an accountant. I'm, I'm not very well trained in that. So hiring someone that knows what they're doing, it was an added expense, but it saved me so much time and it gave me better, better results. And I'm, I'm expecting the same thing with, you know, hiring construction manager here shortly. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Number one thing. Other than your wife. <laughs> my wife. Yeah, my wife's great. She's, uh, she's definitely a big impact. But one of my core values is uh, passion for possibility. I stole that from probably 15 other different companies. But I really approach problems with how do I fix this? Not I can't do it. So there have been plenty of deals that I ended up cobbling together that a lot of people would have said, screw it, I'm out. I've found a way to make them work. And it's done really well for me. I think if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be even close to where I am now. Nice. A passion for possibilities. I like that. You got to have a mindset of how we're going to figure it out instead of thinking it's too hard, right? Right. So Richard, how do you like to give back? So I used to coach high school lacrosse because I grew up playing it, loved it. Don't have as much time anymore. I've got two under two. Well, oldest just turned two, but it takes up a lot of time. And this, this business has taken up a lot of time, but I definitely hope to get back to that soon. And tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Yeah. So I'm uh, best way to get me is, is at my email. It's rich a O'Neill O'Neill's with two L's at gmail.com. That's my personal email. I've got a couple of other ones related to the different businesses, but that's direct to me. I'm on bigger pockets and you know, I, I like to use Instagram every once in a while. My handle is the same thing as my email. Those are the best ways to get in, in touch. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. 
Subscribe too, so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.